Hope and possibility. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Jantz. What does emotional abuse really do to relationships? Let's talk about it. Dr. Gregory Jans is a best-selling author of over 45 books and the founder of the Center A Place of Hope, voted a top 10 center for depression treatment in the U.S. As the pioneer of whole person care, Dr. Jans is known as the messenger of hope. Now the nation's expert on anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationships, trauma, and PTSD, here is Dr. Gregory Jantz. Emotional abuse, a topic I first wrote on in 1992. The book Healing the Scars of Emotional Abuse ended up being somewhat of a landmark book on the topic because so little has been written on emotional abuse and the trauma that it really does. We want to talk today about emotional abuse and what does this really do on our relationships. It does have a significant effect on our relationships. If you've had early childhood trauma, perhaps you've had trauma that has been significant. And let me just mention, it can come in many different forms. Uh, early childhood loss, loss of a parent, loss of a loved one, uh, early childhood abuse. And of course, this can be emotional abuse, but physical abuse, bully behavior, and sexual abuse. The abuse has effects on the developing brain, which we're going to talk about. But the trauma and the brain, uh, we now know that it'll have these effects. Now, this can be uh, childhood, developmental years, teenage and adolescent period of time. These effects are all going to be similar. And this is uh, really related to brain science. So we're gonna break it down, make it super simple. Uh, what happens to the brain? Now we're gonna talk then about relationships and what this do in our relationships. Number one, attachment. Early childhood trauma on the brain does affect the ability to have uh, appropriate empathy as well as a tendency with a trouble towards relationships because of that empathy issue, as well as individuals will find more social isolation. So think in terms of that word attachment, developing healthy bonds. We know that physical health, and I have a good list here, physical health, uh, impaired sensory motor development. What does that mean? You may notice coordination problems, uh, early childhood abuse on the brain. Uh, you may notice uh, effects, maybe let's say in sports, uh, or just it seems like things can't quite be coordinated well. Uh, we know that there'll be a lot of somatic or body complaints as well. And this is just part of the uh, physical symptoms. Along with this could be headaches, uh, other physical symptoms, even the joints and aches and never feeling well. Now, next one is emotion regulation. Again, this is all effects uh, related ultimately back to brain science. What does trauma and abuse do to the brain? Just emotion regulation. So really being able to identify our emotions and properly regulate them. It comes across like I don't have impulse control. Uh, my emotions may be super, super intense, and then I may find myself at a place of, I just can't seem to get out of this uh, emotional spot I'm in, and just that ability to normal regulation from day to day. All right, here's another one that's significant. It's called dissociation. 
And this could be where um, amnesia, where you really do forget uh, or can't recall significant abuse in one's life. You've disconnected, dissociated from it, uh, impaired memory issues. Again, this is brain science. All right. Cognitive abilities, the ability to really uh, deal with uh, processing information and learning. This one, uh, when we see learning disabilities, we always go back and look, has there been significant trauma? When was that trauma? Uh, historically, uh, has there been a pattern of really learning uh, challenges early on because of that brain trauma? All right, and then the whole idea of self-concept. Um, just identity issues and and who am I? Uh, there could be some confusion around just my my sense of uh, identity, my value, and then finally I want to mention as a result of brain the brain's response to this abuse and trauma is behavioral control. Now this is that low impulse control as well, but just can't, I can't seem to modulate my emotions, my impulses. I may act out seemingly randomly, being impulsive. I may look oppositional. I may have aggression in my life that is all related or aggression tendency related back to that brain development. So those are a few of the things that we can observe when there's been early childhood trauma on the developing brain. Now, how does that play out now in our relationships? Okay, here we go. Struggle with intimate relationships. Uh, we may, as a rule, uh, if we've been a victim of a lot of emotional abuse, keep relationships at a distance keep keep people at a distance okay uh, you don't really ever let others enter into that private space because number one is you can't expose your two feelings number two is it's never going to be safe to do so so again we're back to uh, appropriate intimate relationships can be a big struggle now another one is the word we've used to hear a lot of codependency. Codependency was somewhat of an overused word and that after a while we go, what does that really mean? Um, it's getting your needs entirely met through uh, over accommodating, over uh, serving uh, other people, inappropriate uh, behaviors. This could even go as far as um, you're codependent if you buy alcohol for an alcoholic, for example. So, and I'm doing these things so that I feel good about myself. I am over caring, over rescuing. Uh, I don't have good boundaries. I'm doing this because it temporarily causes me to feel good about myself. All right, the other one is inappropriate relationships. Well, what's that look like? Um, I could have a lot of non-intimate uh, relationships that could be sexual in nature. I could have a lot of very surfacey type uh, friends uh, where it seems like I have a lot of friends but I really don't so there's no depth to those relationships I do uh, generally work hard to be isolated from others if I'm uh, struggling with emotional abuse in my life again there's the distrust of, of others there's a hypersensitivity of others and you may find uh, that you have a sense of great aloneness 
Now there's loneliness and there's aloneness, but um, where I'm so disconnected, I cannot have relationships with others. I, I really do feel like that, that floating island that I can't ever uh, seem to have any sort of a healthy relationship. And uh, there is a sense and a feeling at times of panic, of feeling overwhelmed. Uh, there's a sense of, I just cannot manage or believe this, uh, that I'm so alone and I feel unlovable and that I have no value. All right, now, here's a few more. There's a lot of effects of emotional abuse on relationships. It's easy to distort what's normal. We may be looking through the lenses of of emotional abuse and we may be easy easy to pick up offenses from others somebody may say something and we take it on immediately as a quick judgment and an offense that they don't like me and I'm immediately angry that can be the result of emotional abuse too quick to pick up an offense um, we know that um, people who do this tend to have a great deal of resentment in their life uh, probably a lot of unforgiveness, but you're hypersensitive to everything and everyone and easy to take up an offense. This is the person that is kind of always angry, always hurt, believes the world's against them. Uh, you can say something and they can flip that meaning around. Um, and you could even say, you know, you look really nice today. And they can flip that around and totally distort it to um, say the opposite. Uh, you're just saying that because you want something from me. Or you see, they are going to read in to other people's motivations. Read in to motivations. So be careful about that one or be aware of that one. Um, look out for the three deadly emotions, anger, fear, and guilt. Anger, fear, and guilt. I call them the three deadly emotions. Another word for anger could be hurt. I feel a great sense of hurt, and I don't know what to do with it. I get angry. Uh, so that's uh, hurt and anger. Fear. Fear comes in many forms. I could be that person that is just so full of worry in relationships, so f afraid in relationships, and I can really develop an anxiety disorder where I have a lot of physical symptoms and really be living with a generalized sense of anxiety that's just free-floating out there all the time. Uh, then there's guilt. Another word for guilt is shame. I feel like I'm defective. So if I was to boil this all down, what is the effects of all this? Uh, on relationships, well, I feel angry, hurt all the time. I full, I'm full of fear, fear of intimacy. I have anxiety. I can't make decisions. I feel like everybody's after me. Nobody really loves me. And then there's guilt. I feel guilty, or I feel shameful. And shame says that I really am defective. All right. Um, you may notice with, with emotional abuse, a cycling through relationships. Um, and a, a lot of short-term relationships, um, but because of the codependency that could be there, you're in and out of relationships, uh, always trying to find the right relationship. That's a potential pattern. Um, you can also land in a relationship that is abusive. It's emotionally abusive and you believe, sincerely believe that I deserve this. And this is why um, I'm in this relationship, because this is what I get. This is what I deserve. Um, yeah, 
he or she really loves me and uh, and you distort reality and you allow and tolerate emotional abuse because you believe it's what I deserve so okay there can be escapism behaviors what's escapism behaviors um, escapism behaviors can be going deep into the internet to gaming to addiction I just gotta have relief from this pain I can turn to food, I can become a food addict, I can hardly wait to get home and go binge on food. Yes, all these can be um, the result of a pattern of emotional abuse in one's life. So you don't have to have all these, you can have a few of these. Um, you may notice these symptoms uh, on a continuum where, uh, yeah, I have some of these and I do these, I have really experienced these. To recover in a relationship with emotional abuse requires such a significant leap of faith in deciding I am going to trust again. Now, here's the issue. So often we get into relationships that really are not healthy or trustworthy. And so we do this self-reinforcing relationships and reinforcing our beliefs about ourselves. Uh, can I learn if I've been emotionally abused um, to have a healthy relationship, yes. Do I need to move into it slowly and not impulsively? Yes. Do I have to give enough time for normal relationship development? Yes. So I'm gonna have to do some things that are really foreign to me, that I don't normally do. Allow the time for a relationship to develop. Allow the time to develop an intimate. And by intimate, I'm just saying emotionally close vulnerable relationship. So these are big steps if we've been a victim of emotional abuse. All right, more to come on this topic of emotional abuse. So important we understand that it has a physiological, emotional abuse does have a physiological impact on our brain. Brain science shows that. And this is important just to acknowledge. The question usually comes up, do, do, does my brain recover? It is amazing to watch the resiliency and the recovery in one's brain. If I have added a lot of addiction and had a history of alcohol or, or drug use and addiction, my chemistries could really be altered and I, it's going to show up in my brain. And so depending on what I've done to cope, does depend upon the recovery and the recovery phase for my brain. I saw something so fascinating um, not long ago. It was an actual brain scan of a 22-year-old uh, brain that had been um, both um, emotionally and physically abused, a victim of abuse, very clear in the brain. You could see these hot spots. Uh, this person then coped by uh, using marijuana. So we saw what marijuana does to a brain. And then we saw it was um, uh, healing. It was all the things that this person did in their recovery, including, this is fascinating, including hyperbaric oxygen. Uh, and we know that has a big role in healing of the brain. So this was a, if you will, a off, off prescription, if you will, or off the normal uh, use of hyperbaric oxygen, which is fascinating, but it all goes back to, you know, helping and healing of the brain. And 300 
oxygen, hyperbaric oxygen treatments later, there was the picture of the brain. It was apps. I know 300 sounds like a lot. Those are generally about an hour session. Um, it was like a totally new brain. I was convinced that you can have healing and recovery in your brain and there's ways to do it and there is hope and emotional abuse. Yes, we recover. Yes, we can have healthy relationships. Yes, we can have a strong sense of self and self identity and feel good about ourselves. Is that a journey that we have to allow the time to do? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes, you'll have no regret.